Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right, good. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, got to see a couple of people that are newer here. We bless you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, you guys are here at a good point because we are starting a brand new series. Um, and I, 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 uh, I wanted to share a story with you guys that some of you may have heard. Uh, and I keep sharing it because it was such a wounding experience to me that it's going to take a few years for me to get over this. But there was a, uh, there was a friend of mine who I uh, was good friends with in college, and, um, and he and I have completely lost touch. And he must have, like, you know, recently, as in a couple of years ago, gotten onto Facebook or something like that, because he found me on Facebook and uh, he saw a picture of what I look like now, and his only comment was, you look like your dad. And that was it. And that was like a, a punch in the gut for me because I didn't realize that I now looked like my dad. Is there a picture? Do you have a picture of that up there by chance? Anyway, I was so taken aback because it didn't occur to me that I had uh, been becoming my dad. And uh, is there, we don't have that picture? Oh. <laughs> okay, so, so this is, this is, uh, one of those is my dad, and the other one is one of those like face melter things that projects what I will eventually look like, and it's not too far off, actually. <laughs> hate to say it. Well, this kid thought, um, you look like your dad right now, right? And I, I, I thought, I don't want to look like my dad. I want to look like me, like me when I was 22. That's, that's really what I want to look like. But for better or for worse, we are becoming our parents. As a matter of fact, Progressive Insurance has this whole sort of hilarious ad campaign. This guy is the guy that helps young you know, parents navigate uh, the world because they're rapidly becoming like their mom and dad. And whether we like it or not, there is a huge degree to the truth that we inevitably become like our parents. In the natural, this stuff just happens. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, bearing the image of our heavenly Father, bearing the image of God, actually the triune God. And so we're, like I said, we're beginning a new sermon series, and we're, uh, we're in the book of Genesis, as you saw, and um, we're going to start where it all began, Genesis 1, chapter 1. And one of the things that makes the book of Genesis so amazing and so such a crucial part of our story is that... Um, in it, we discover literally nothing less than the meaning of everything, the purpose of everything, right? The, the book of Genesis is, is, is so crucial, you guys, because without it, none of the Bible would make any sense to us at all. Without the book of Genesis, none of the world that we experience or the universe that we live in would make any sense at all. And so Genesis establishes from, for the first, from the very get-go, the, the, at, right at the outset, that was really articulate, the meaning, the purpose, and the order of everything. And it also establishes our sort of cosmically small but significant place in the universe and in time and space and in the world today. And so 
Um, this is the stuff, you guys, that honestly, there have been thousands of years of philosophers and scientists and historians and all kinds of people that have been trying to figure out the questions that we believe are answered in the book of Genesis, not the least of which is, um, is the government actually hiding aliens in Area 51 outside of Las Vegas right now? It's all there. We know it. <laughs> I'm sure some would think that might be true. Maybe there is. I don't know. You might find it in the book of Genesis, right? So um, here's what we're going to do. In the book of Genesis, we discover our creator. In the book of Genesis, we discover why we were created, what our purpose is in the world, because it's explicitly stated. And so we're going we're gonna to study our origin story. And there's going to be a part of it, you guys, where I just want to um, I wanna make some observations. I want to point you to some things. I want you to just sort of go, ah, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's important to know because we're figuring out where it all began for us, okay? And so what we're going to do, I'm not going to preach on the entirety of Genesis chapter 1, uh, but we're going to read through the entire chapter together right now because I want to keep what we're talking about in context. We're going to only focus on three verses, the verses where we come into play, but I want to read the whole thing together. Would that be okay? The verses will be up here. We're in Genesis chapter 1, and uh, this is out of the ESV version of the Bible. So it, it says this, in the beginning, by the way, I wish I had like my James Earl Jones Darth Vader voice for this, but the, it, the, story, the story just kind of sells itself anyway. So Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault, that means a space, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God, God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and he gathered the waters and he called them seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the, the, the day. By the way, that'll come into play in just a minute here. The greater light to govern the day um, uh, and the night. Uh, sorry, uh, God set the vault on, uh, of the sky to give light uh, on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. 
And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And so God created great creatures, uh, uh, created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creature that, creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Then God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves in the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I will give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. I realize I rarely do this amount of reading from up here. I don't have, I have a pair of reading glasses. I need bifocals because I can barely see this. So I apologize for stumbling through this. I'm like, I can't get too far away, but I can't get too close. I'm going to need to jack my font up to 17 or something like that. Anyway, let me just briefly comment on what we just read together, okay? The first thing I want to say, just to get it out of the way, is am I up here telling you that God created um, everything that was created in six 24-hour days. And I just want to say that is not what I'm saying. And I just want to tell you that some things will have to remain a mystery. I don't know exactly how the Lord did it. You don't know exactly how the Lord did it. And so we're just going to have to trust that we'll figure that out when we meet him. But until then, let's just kind of move that off to the side. But here are some things that I do want us to notice today, church, okay? And the first thing is this. Again, we're looking at just the foundation of everything. Where did it all start? Where did it all begin? Well, it's, it's significant to note that before anything was, there was God. Before there was anything, there was, before there was a beginning, there was God. God predates and he pre-exists all. And right there at the beginning of scripture, we see God. And who else do we see in Genesis 1 verse 1? The Holy Spirit. Right at the beginning of creation, we see both two figures, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. I love this. The literal translations, when it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, picture this. In the, in the, in the earliest translations, it says the Holy Spirit was brooding 
over the waters at the beginning of creation. It's such a a cool picture to me. And the next thing I want you guys to notice, of course, is that God refers to himself as an us. He says, let us make man, mankind in our image, right? In other words, God is already from the very beginning, he's referring to himself as more than one. One, but more than one. And we find out later in in the Gospel of John, uh, John writes this about Jesus. He said, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In other words, the entire Godhead Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all participated in creation, and they all predate creation. The next thing I want to point out to you is, and this points to God, if, you know, for for thousands of years, people have been trying to figure out who is God, what is God, what is God like, and what I want to point out to you is that everything that God created was good. God makes good things. He made the light from darkness, and he said it was good. He separated the earth and the sky, and it was good. He made the land and the sea, and he saw that it was good. He made trees and plants and vegetation, and it was all good. He made the stars and the sun and the moon, and he saw that it was good. Now, the author of uh, the first five books of of the Bible, people believe, was Moses, and I want to call your attention to this little bit right here about the sun and the moon, uh, because it's just one of my favorite things, and that is that when I was in uh, the Vineyard School of, like, theology, one of the things that we learned is that, um, of course, like, Israel, you may not know this, but Israel is situated directly above Egypt. It's right above Egypt, okay? And uh, when Moses was writing this. He was writing this in the context of uh, the great dynasties of Egypt. And so the literal translation of this, when God refers to the greater light and the lesser light, he doesn't give any cool names to the sun and the moon. And the reason is, is because the Egyptians and, and the nations around Israel worshipped the sun and the moon as these great gods. As a matter of fact, Egypt, their number one god was Ra or Re, and it was the sun. And the moon was also another god. And you know how this was written in the, in the earliest Hebrew? God created the big lamp and the little lamp. In other words, it was like a in-your-face rebuke to all those nations that were worshiping the sun and the moon as if they were some great things. God's like, nope, no, it's just a big lamp and a little lamp. It'll help you see. That's what it's about. And I just love that about the Lord. So uh, so that's one little thing I want to call your attention to, right? Um, the next thing I, I, I want you to see is that... Uh, there's a change on the fifth day, right? On the fifth day, it says that God created the fish of the sea and the birds of the land, and then he added something to his statement, this, and and, and it was this. He said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth, and you will see that theme moving forward. Be fruitful and increase. Let my kingdom, let this good stuff that I created expand, right? And so then we get to the sixth day. And on the sixth day, God had a big day. It was a really big day. On the sixth day, he created all the animals of the earth, the wild animals as well as the livestock. And he looked at all of that stuff and he said, it is good, right? But then something completely amazing happens. Like on the same day that he created all the animals, he created us. 
He created humans, mankind. And here we draw this demarcation line between everything that he had created prior to us and when he created you and I. Our creation story is completely unique in the creation account, right? And it's not just that it's unique, it's take your breath away crazy. It is amazing. And, and what God states so succinctly, so quickly, almost offhandedly, it, it almost begs to be underappreciated by us. And it's where he says this in verse 26. He said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And if there was ever like a, wait, what did he just say moment in scripture? This would be it for us. And so what we need to do, what we ought to do, and what we ought to regularly do is figure out what does this mean? What does it mean that we were created in the image of God, that we were created to be like him? And so we're gonna dive into that a little bit. And what I, where I wanna begin is I wanna talk about, if we wanna know what we are like, I'd like us to, to, to understand what we are not like for a moment, okay? In other words, this. We are not like, rather than humans being like the fish or the flowers, the frogs, or even the cheetahs and the chimps, we are not like any of those. Nowhere does it say that we are like those things. And anyone that would say that we are, they're missing the point completely because we are not like those things. Another thing that the Bible says that we are not like is we are not like the angels. There is no place in scripture that says that the angels are like God. Only humans are like God. He created us particularly. He created us with things that only we carry. In other words, angels cannot have the same connection with God, the same friendship with God, the same fellowship with God that we can because only we bear his image. And that ought to make us go, wow. Because I know that we... We have a high opinion of God's angels, right? They're powerful, but they are not like God in the way that we are. Only we are like God. So what does it mean to be like God? I'm gonna just share three little categories. And again, it, this is more just like things for us to consider, things for us to think about so we kind of get it right from the outset. How are we like God? Well, the first thing is this. We reflect God's nature, his very nature. Being created in God's image means that we have attributes. We have characteristics that only belong to God. So we have rationality. We have moral agency, right? Meaning that we know what is good and what is bad. We know what is right and we know what is wrong. And we have the ability to do good in our lives and in the world, and we have the ability to do bad, and that is unique to us and God, right? And I guess angels could do that too. But that is a, a, a reflection of God. The second thing that we have the capacity for is creativity. We are a creative people, right? We have the, the capacity for art, for music, for innovation, for wonder, for uh, creating things. That is the stuff of God. It makes us like God. Here's another thing about us. We have the capacity for relationship. God is a relational being. If you want to know who God is, understand that from the very, from, from, for all of eternity, God existed in relationship. 
perfect relationship with himself. He is the triune God. And so before anything was, God was, and he was in relationship with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And now we have the ability to be in relationship in the same way that God is. And I love that picture that shows up in a, in a, a chapter later of God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden just talking, hanging out. And it's not that we are equal to God, but because we share godliness, God characteristics, it's as if we could relate to him in a way that no one else can. We have the capacity for relationship with each other and a capacity to have relationship with God. You guys with me? We okay? One more. Dignity and inherent value. The last thing I want to point out to, uh, uh, point out to us is that our imaging God, our reflecting God, means that we have an inherent, inborn uh, dignity, a, a, a godliness, a glory to who we are because of how God made us, okay? And so no matter who you are, no matter where you were born, no matter what religion you practice, no matter what you were born like, all humans share this common elevated status because we are bearers of God's image. And so we are uniquely and purposely created by God and we carry that divine spark of who he is in us. And so I just wanna take a, a right turn for a second. And that is to say, this is actually why we are emphatically against abortion in this place. We are so against abortion because every child was created by God, not by us. And from the moment of conception, every child carries the image of God. They carry that divine spark that I was talking about. They, they carry his likeness. And so every little one is special and set apart from all other creation because that little one was created by God and for God to image him in the world. We are not the creators of our kids. As much as I love my kids, I am not the one that created them. God is my kid's creator. God said this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And that's why we fight to protect the unborn. And, and it's because no matter how tiny they are, they were created by God. They were his idea. They bear his image in the world. And so they are his and they are not ours primarily. And this is also, you guys, why we fight against injustice in the world. It's why we feed the poor. It's why we care for the migrants in the world. Uh, it, it, it's because we believe that all human beings, whether they're born or unborn, whether they're a foreigner, whether they're, dis they're disabled, they're elderly, they're a widow, they're a Christian, or whether they d disagree with our theology or our sexual ethics, they are all made in the image of God. And so we fight for them. We are for them because they uniquely reflect God. You guys with me on this? Okay, good. Now, this brings us to our purpose, right? Um, if you've ever wondered, do I have a purpose in life? Am I made for something? Or if you've ever wondered about the person that is checking you out at the grocery store, or the person that's pumping iron across from you, do they have a purpose? The answer is, we all have an incredible purpose in the world. And our purpose, and this is important, it's directly connected to how we were made, who we were made to be. Our purpose flows from God's design in making us like him, right? Uh, if God made us like him, it certainly points to our purpose. And so I'm going to read these verses again. Verse 26 says this, Then God said, 
Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so here's the key phrase that I want you guys to remember. You ready for it? So that. Would everybody say so that? So that, right? Our life's purpose is inextricably linked to who we were created like. We were made in the image of God, every one of you, so that, right? Let us make mankind in our image so that we can do the glorious things that only we can do. And that is to be the physical image of God in the world, to be the physical reflection of God in the world, to image God in, in our worlds. That is an incredible thing that we are called to do. That is our chief purpose, to be God in the world. And I'm not saying that we are God, but we are his creation and we reflect him uh, oftentimes really well and sometimes pretty poorly right? This is a pretty lofty thing, isn't it? Sometimes it, to me it feels like it's almost hard to believe what God has chosen to do with us. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2. He said this, for we are what he made us. We are what he made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. You can disbelieve it. You can kick and scream against it. You can lean into it. You can do whatever you want with it. But you are who God made you to be. You are a reflection of him in the world. So I want you to look at the person to your right. And I want you to say, you're incredible. Look at the person on your right. Say, you're incredible. Look at the person on your left. Say, you're absolutely amazing. Look, go to the left. Go to the left. You're amazing. You're crazy. It's like incredible. All right, that's good. He calls you and I to fill the earth, to subdue it with his nature, his character, to fill the world with his love, with his goodness, with his mercy. He called us to do God things in the world or maybe godly things in the world, right? We are called to fight evil, to fight darkness and the chaos that's in the world. We're called to pour out God's power in the world, to bring his provision of blessing into the world, to defend the defenseless, to speak wisdom to the confused, to call people to repentance and to newness of life. That is what we are called to, even to sacrifice our lives so that someone else could live. Are you with me on this? As unique image bearers of our heavenly father, our mission is clear. Everything that he is, we are to be in the world. It's just that. It's just that. You're made for this. And so as we do that, we glorify him. The Bible says that we were created to glorify God. And I have found what I have learned both orienting and disorienting. I have read this and thought to myself, it's too big for me. And at the same time, it has given me a vision of how to live. And I pray that it will do this for you. And I want to give you just one tiny 
example, one tiny manifestation of this, uh, just this week, that something that happened to me, um, let me just wet my whistle. You guys um, have heard me say many times that um, I have a couple of different ministry places. Obviously, I'm here with you all, uh, but Molly and I feel called to um, be witnesses in our neighborhood, um, and I feel personally called. I have adopted Palatine Panera as my mission place. Yeah, there it is right here. Little shout out. Um, and before I launch into my latest uh, missional, uh, you know, escapade, um, I, I just want to ask you, and this is not on topic, but do you have a place like that? Do you have a place like that? Do you have a place in your life where you're the pastor, where you are the shepherd? Do you have a place like that? I pray that you will. God prays that you will. Jesus prays that you will be like that somewhere in your life. Now, here's uh, my story from this week. I was actually um, over there a couple of days ago working on this very sermon, and I'd just been researching the meaning of all of this. What, you know, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And there's a couple of uh, little workers there that, that know me, and this young woman uh, came up to me. Uh, I was just sitting there typing on one of the high tables, and uh, she came up to me and she said, you, you didn't say hi to me when you came in. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I, I didn't see you. And she, um, she just began, began to talk. And she, I could see almost immediately that she was not in good shape. Something was up with her. And she was feeling bad. And so she's talking and she said, uh, you know, my mom always says, if we didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. And as soon as she said that, something in my head or my heart like keyed in and I said what do you mean by that tell me what's going on and she began to share her story and um, it was just sad and she has been going through a really really hard time uh, in life and I actually I barely know this young woman um, I found out that she's younger than all of my kids uh, and uh, and I, I don't even I didn't even know her name uh, before this. But anyway, she began to share how hard things were and how she's been mistreated and people have said unkind things to her. And, and having just read what I had been reading uh, about, uh, about who we were created to be, I just got this fire in my belly and I began to tell her who she really was. I began to tell her that God had created her particularly, that he particularly loved her. I told her that she was important. I told her that she was worthy of love. I told her that she did not deserve to be mistreated the way that she was being mistreated. I told her that she was capable and she was strong and that God had good plans for her life. And she got teary and then she said, you're going to make me think about my dad. And I said, well, tell me about your dad. And she said, my dad died when I was six. Um... And, and in that moment, I knew why God had put us together right there. And I just blasted her with the love of a father. And I spoke into her. And she's crying. I was fine at that point. I'm not fine now. But, 
but I'm just pouring the love of God, telling her how she was fearfully and wonderfully made and how God is a father to the father. Listen, how he knows her and he cares about her. And so I'm sharing all this and she's crying. And I, I don't know, we must have been together for 15 minutes because the manager came up and he said, you got to get back to work now. And so she went off and she started doing her thing and I'm still working. And about 20 minutes later, she came back up and she just kind of situated herself about five feet from me. And I kind of looked over and I'm like, okay, this is weird, you know. And she came up and I knew she didn't know what to say after that, but she showed me a picture of her cat. That was like her entrance to re-engaging with me. She showed me a picture of her cat and I said, the cat's cool. Do you remember what I said to you? And she started crying again. And in that moment, I, um, I wished so much that I could give her a hug. And I was like, I can't do that. It's not appropriate. And um, then she just like grabbed me and put her arms around me. And I got my hand around her backpack because she was off of her work. And she said, I got to go. My boyfriend's here. And she took off. And that was it. And I, I, I share that to say this. This is what we do. We represent God, the Father's heart in the world. This is what you carry. You bring healing in the world. You bring life in the world. You become a father or a mother to the fatherless and the motherless. This is what we are. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and we reflect God. We image God in the world. This is what it's all about. And my invitation to you is that you would be who you are. I started by saying, I don't want to look like my father and I have turned the page and I pray to my father that I could just look like him in the world. And I pray that you will too. Amen? Why don't we stand up? All right, let's uh, pray. Why don't we just... um, kind of close our eyes if you're comfortable doing that and open up your hearts. Um, and and I, I, I just want to invite you to just open your, your heart up to the spirit of God that was brooding over the waters at creation, that same spirit that now somehow miraculously dwells inside your own heart. And I pray... Spirit of God, that you would bring revelation to each one of us. That we wouldn't just see something amazing on paper, but that we would be completely undone by the miracle of our life as you created us and why you created us. I, um, the first thing I want to say is that some of you have thought of yourself far less and as far less than God sees you. You have been critical of yourself. You have marginalized yourself, spoken terrible things over yourself. And I just want to forcefully rebuke that. So I pray, Spirit, that you would speak the words of the Father over this church. Speak the words of the Father over this church. 